Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome to MS Minute with DCND. Thank you for tuning in. Our topic today is for those who recently found out about their MS diagnosis and want to know what's next. I'm your host, Natalie Pugar. Joining me today is neurologist, Dr. Derek Mankadick. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, we're going to get right into this. So getting a multiple sclerosis diagnosis obviously can be very frightening, overwhelming for so many patients. What's the biggest thing patients who just got this news need to know? Yeah, it's definitely big news and it's perfectly normal to feel scared and overwhelmed when receiving this diagnosis. Thankfully, we see this all the time and we know that you're not alone. It's really important to know that. We've come a long way in the management and treatment of multiple sclerosis and this diagnosis is no longer necessarily means that you're going to be disabled, especially if we catch it early. All righty. Well, that's good news. So there's a lot of information out there, obviously, about MS. So where do you recommend your patients start first? First, having knowledge is power. So getting as much information about the disease as possible um, can be important, and reaching out to other people for support can be helpful. Uh, the MS Society, National MS Society, is a great resource. Um, your provider and your care team are great resources and have a lot of knowledge about this disease. So being upfront and asking those questions honestly is great. Make sure when you come to your appointments with your doctors and your other care providers that you're prepared. Write down your questions beforehand so you don't forget things and make sure you're getting all the information that you want to know. It can also really help to connect with other people who already have an established diagnosis of MS or maybe they're spouse or one of their loved ones has a diagnosis of MS. And so when you connect with those other people, you know, they've often been through these experiences that you're going through and they can help guide you through it. So reach out. There's lots of great um, resources online now. All righty. Well, let's talk about who gets MS. Are some people more likely than others to get that diagnosis? Mm -hmm. So MS is a disease that tends to affect people between the ages of 20 and 50 years old. It's about three times more common in women than men, but the cause for MS is not completely known. We think that it's a combination of both genetic and environmental factors. And we know that if you have certain genes that you might be more susceptible to getting MS, but that genes don't explain everything. For example, when we look at studies with genetically identical twins, if one twin develops MS, the chances of the other twin also developing MS is only about 20 to 30%. So that tells us that genes don't explain everything with this disease. So there's another factor to this, and, and we think that with MS, it can be environmental factors as well. And those are things that you're exposed to throughout your lifetime. Um, the environmental factors that we know play a role in MS include exposure to the Epstein-Barr virus, uh, adolescence obesity, smoking, low vitamin D levels, and possibly shift work as well. Interesting. Well, we know that there are four different types or kinds of MS that have been identified so far. Can you run through the different disease courses? Of course. So there's four basic disease courses to understand in MS. The first one's called clinically isolating syndrome. The second one is relapsing remitting MS. 
the third is secondary progressive MS, and the fourth is primary progressive MS. So the majority of patients, which is about 85% of patients, start with a diagnosis of relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis. And in this subtype of MS, a patient experiences relapses or attacks, and these can last from days to weeks at time. In between relapses, patients typically don't experience new symptoms, but they might have chronic symptoms that are ongoing during this time period. About 15% of patients have this diagnosis called primary progressive MS. And in this form of MS, patients actually rarely experience disease relapses, but they tend to have steady worsening of their disease over time, and their symptoms tend to get worse just over time. Um, it's important to note that doctors and scientists are continually improving and redefining our definitions and understandings of the different types of MS. And so this helps doctors and other clinicians provide better care as it helps patients better understand their disease and its implications. Well, you mentioned the term relapse. So if you, and you hear about that a lot with MS or, or lesion. Um, so can you kind of explain what those two terms mean? Mm-hmm. So a relapse and exacerbation are actually the same term. There's also other names for this. Some people call it an attack. But what these symptoms are are new or sometimes significant worsening of an old MS symptom. Um, and it's attributable, the symptom is attributable to new MS disease, an active MS disease. So relapses tend to come on over a period of time, usually minutes to hours but it lasts for a period of time as well, usually from anywhere from 24 hours to days or weeks at a time. Some people completely recover from relapses, but other people don't. Sometimes relapses are treated with medications, but sometimes they're not as well. It all just kind of depends on the symptoms and other associated factors um, regarding the disease course and other things that your, your doctor will talk to you about. Treatments for relapses only help speed recovery, but they don't actually change how much recovery is made at the end of the day. But the most important thing is, if you think you're having a relapse, it's always best to contact your healthcare provider. So it's very individualized for every patient? Of course. Alrighty. So a big question right off the bat for many patients is, can you treat it? Yes. So there's a lot of different treatments out there. Um, most recently, um, there's something called DMTs, and these, that, that stands for Disease Modifying Therapies. There's many available on the market today. The main goal of these is prevention. They don't actually cure the disease, but they help prevent some of the lesions and exacerbations that we talked about. And so the idea is, is that if you treat the disease early and try to prevent those relapses from coming on, you can keep a person healthier and living a more normal lifestyle, even though they have this chronic neurological disease. Yeah, that's great news. So what kind of symptoms can someone with MS expect to have? So symptoms vary from person to person and can even vary from day to day. So every single person who has MS has an individualized course, um, but common MS symptoms can be weakness, numbness or tingling, you can have vision changes, and this typically just affects one eye. You can have walking problems, speech problems, difficulty concentrating, depression, bladder problems, and sexual dysfunction. I know in other podcasts, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the symptoms that some people experience. Um, so make sure you tune in for future episodes, of course. And it's also really important to know that not everybody will have the symptoms that I just talked about. You might have one of those symptoms, or you might have many of them. So that's where this disease becomes really individualized for each person. 
Okay. Yeah. And as you mentioned, we are going to be tackling a lot of those different topics. Maintaining a healthy lifestyle is always important, you know, in any kind of uh, lifestyle that we all have, or, but can even serve a bigger purpose when you're dealing with MS. Why is that? So we know that patients with better overall health tend to have better overall outcomes with MS. And so things like maintaining a healthy weight, getting great exercise, especially aerobic exercise, and avoiding smoking can help reduce the risk of possible MS relapses and subsequently reduce the disease burden overall. So making sure that you're you know, attending to other parts of your life besides just taking the disease-modifying therapy can really help people with MS and help the symptoms that they experience. Okay. Well, since MS is a chronic disease, it's also important to have a good relationship with your provider. You're going to be seeing them quite a bit. So what should patients look for when searching for a doctor? So it really has to be a team approach when dealing with MS because you're dealing with lots of different symptoms and your team will kind of vary depending on a person and the symptoms that they're having. Usually um, making sure that you have a provider with and a team with a good understanding of the basis of the disease uh, is important because you want that person to have experience and also to have the best treatment options available for you. Um, There's also great resources, of course, available online. And as I already mentioned, the MS Society can be a great tool. Um, They also have a list of different providers and centers which are MS certified. Um, So if your doctor can't guide you, you can always do a little bit of research on your own too. Absolutely. And Dayton Center for Neurological Disorders is one of those certified centers in the Dayton area. Um, But yes, as you mentioned, you can go online and find out um, what is the center in your area. So since MS um, impacts the majority of women in their childbearing years, a big question for them is, can they get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy? I love this question, Natalie, and I can answer it in one word. It's yes. It's <laughs> Good. <laughs> so we know that from multiple, multiple scientific studies that having MS does not decrease a woman's ability to get pregnant, and it does not decrease their ability to carry their baby to term. So the short answer is I encourage any woman who desires pregnancy and who also has MS to have a discussion with their doctor about their family planning preferences and what that's going to look like for them. Now, does some of that just include maybe um, altering the medication a little bit? It can. It can mean stopping the medication. It can mean altering the medication. Um, A lot of it has to do with timing of medication as far as, you know, you might take a little break from your medication for a little while and then come back to it once uh, pregnancy is achieved and everything um, goes well after that. Um, But it's really individualized again. So you want to make sure you have a really frank discussion with your doctor about you know, are you interested in, in carrying a child and having a full pregnancy or not? And it's important for men too um, to have a lot of discussions about uh, their family planning preferences uh, with their doctor so that, you know, you can have the most information and make the best choice for you and your family. Got it. Okay. So be open and honest. All right. Um, treatment for MS has come a long way, as you mentioned. Um, can MS patients do anything to help advance science even more? Yeah. Um, Also, I love this question, too, because there's new research happening every single day in the field of MS. And so getting involved in research is truthfully the way that we're going to advance the science on MS 
and how we're going to learn more and more about this disease and how we're going to get better at treating it and eventually hopefully find a cure. Very good. All right. What parting words of encouragement and direction do you have for those that are newly diagnosed? So MS is certainly a life-changing disease, um, but with medications, lifestyle adjustments, and advancing knowledge, we're getting better at treating MS all the time. So it's my hope that someday soon there will even be a cure. So my encouragement for you would be keep fighting this disease until that day comes. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for your insight, Dr. Mankadik. You're so welcome, Natalie. All right. Well, if you would like to learn more about the next steps after your initial MS diagnosis, we've posted several links on our website. You can find them all at dcndinc.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to MS Minute with Dayton Center for Neurological Disorders. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember, a new episode gets released every month. Next month, join us. We are talking about a symptom that impacts 80% of people living with multiple sclerosis. It can be embarrassing and frustrating and prevent you from doing the things you normally enjoy doing. We will be taking on the topic of bladder dysfunction. We'll be talking with another neurologist about treatment options and what we can do to manage this MS symptom.